Welcome into a very special edition of Cinema Ticket. I know it's been a really long time. Um, I had a semester of school that I really wanted to focus on, so I decided to put the podcast on the back burner until I was in a place where I could really uh, give it the attention and effort that I wanted to. And now that I'm kind of on break and the year is coming to a close, I wanted to do a a 2020 wrapped uh, edition of movies and kind of go over this year in movies. And uh, the guest I have with me to do that has been on the show before. Uh, we talked Interstellar, I believe, earlier in the summer. But my guy, Travis House, is here with me again. Travis, how are you? I'm doing good. And thank you again for having me. I know it's been a while since our last conversation. Yeah. But yeah, it's been been going good so far. Still trying to stay healthy. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy year. Uh, obviously, you don't need to hear that from me too much. Uh, everyone kind of knows what kind of year this has been. Uh, but there were still a lot of movies that came out this year. And I saw upwards of 60-ish. And Travis saw a lot more than that. So we're, we're going to be able to cover, I, I think, a wide range of, of films and really cover the year well. Uh, so before we get into our favorite films of the year, I, Travis, I want to ask you, uh, what has this year in movies uh, meant to you? How have you been able to digest movies and think about movies? And, uh, you know, with the lockdown and everything, we've all gone about watching movies in different ways. Some of us have watched a lot on our laptop this year more than we'd like to. Some of us uh, on our iPads or TVs and different things like that. Um, so what is this year, as you look back, um, what has this year in movies kind of meant to you? Um, you know, honestly, this has been an interesting year, to say the least. I remember, like, prior to talking to you today, like, I look back at, like, my old list from, like, um, 2019 and 2018, and I was looking at all, like, the big name, like, the occasional blockbuster mm -hmm. popped up this year. You have, like, the bit, like, that once in a while billion dollar film that made it up, and when I was looking at this one in comparison to it, like, I mean, without giving away too much, about more than half of on my top 10 list of this year are straight streamers. And there's probably mm -hmm. maybe one movie I saw this year that was actually in the theater. So it's yep. kind of like a bit of a plot twist how this has kind of panned out. Yeah, for me, uh, you mentioned something that I've thought about too when it comes to streaming. Um, you know, in, in previous years, you know, I'm a big comic book lover. I read a lot of comics. And so a lot of the movies that I circle on my calendar are the, the big tentpole comic book movies. So 2019, obviously, we had huge ones. We had Avengers Endgame. We had Captain Marvel even earlier in the year. We had Spider-Man Far From Home. And those movies all made over a billion dollars. And those, those were huge movies. And we had a Star Wars movie that year, too. And so there were mm -hmm. these big movies that I could circle throughout the year that, you know, that I could look forward to. And when I look back on this year, the movies I had circled on my calendar were the were were more indie movies that went straight to streaming so i think about palm springs um i think about the five bloods i think about um ma rainey's i think about mank um movies that i in the past wouldn't have ever circled on my calendar to get really uh super excited about but because of this year um those kind of movies were the ones that uh, gave me some sort of 
anticipation or something to look forward to watching uh, when we didn't have a chance to go to the movie theater, really. Uh, and I did get to go to the movie theater a few times, and uh, we'll kind of get into, into that a little bit. And Tenet, too, obviously. Tenet was a huge topic of discussion and still is, as it's part of the reason HBO Max made the decision to move everything to or Warner Brothers made the decision to move everything to HBO Max in 2021. But mm-hmm. man, this year, when I look, look back on it, it's just, there, there, like you said, there wasn't really any blockbusters. Um, there might be one on my list that we'll get to in a little while. But um, when I look back on this year, I'll think of, you know, movies that we got from, from big time filmmakers like David Fincher, Spike Lee, um, and those kind of movies that, uh, typically, I want to say would get swept under under the rug, but I don't think would be seen by the masses um, mm-hmm. like it has been able to this year um, because of streaming services. And I, I think that's that's a really cool thing that this year has brought us. But also, it sucks that we couldn't go see them in theaters. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's like it it does like the more that I look at this list, like even on my own, it just it really makes me wonder like what is 2021's list gonna look like? Is it gonna look more like, you know, more streamers? Is it gonna be yeah. more, you know, is it gonna are we gonna get like the theatrical films that kind of get that comeback? It's it's such a big question mark that I don't even know and I don't think anyone really knows at this point. Yeah, we do know I, I, I would guess anyway that we're getting a lot maybe not we might be getting a lot more movies in 2021. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually true, but it feels true just because of everything that's gotten pushed. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that kind of plays out. Um, but, you know, we did have 2020. And while there's a lot of bad stuff that happened this year, there are a lot of great movies. And so Travis and I have compiled a, a top 10 list of our own that we're kind of going to kind of go through. And we'll, we'll talk about, obviously, you know, what we liked about it. But also, for those of you who maybe didn't get to watch a ton of movies this year and maybe have missed some of these, um, if we can remember at least, we'll tell you where you can watch these movies um, if you have not uh, been able to see them yet. So we're going to give our top tens and then we'll give some, like, superlatives and honorable mentions and things um, uh, towards the end. So let's start with number 10 and travis i'll let you go first so your number 10 film of 2020 okay so my number 10 i actually was just like kind of debating this one um just now um this is one that i've never listened to this filmmaker i've never watched any of this filmmaker's work prior but this one is such a rubik's cube of just confusion but i found fascinating (laughs) performance and i'm gonna go with i'm thinking of ending things by charlie kaufman it is it is one of those films I knew from the beginning that it was going to be kind of like a, a mind trip, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much of a mind trip it was until I was <laughs> yeah. actually in the, the heat of it. Mm-hmm. Um, God, what is her name? Um, Jesse, I think I'm probably miss. Oh, Jesse Buckley. Her performance is really good. I yep. just felt like I just naturally just wanted to know more about her and see who she is. And just like the little subtle details where there'll be like certain things that change, but it never really calls attention to it. And that's mm-hmm. like the kind of filmmaking that I like. Yeah, for me, that movie, it'll show up later. For me, that it was a movie that was, um, when it came out, I believe it came out end of September, early October, maybe yeah. right around there. Yeah. Um, for a good while there, it was my number one movie of the year. And then we kind of got like, blitzed with a ton of stuff towards the end um of this year that kind of pushed it farther down my list 
but mm-hmm. this is a fascinating movie that I don't know if you've had a chance to rewatch it, but it holds up and actually gets better on rewatch because um, you realize some of the things that are going on. And then to, to know that going into your next watch of the movie, you kind of pick up on more things and it's a really rewarding uh, rewatch. And this is another film like we talked about because of streaming. Um, I've had close friends of mine who love this movie who never would have seen it if mm-hmm. we were not in a pandemic probably. Yeah, and that, that's really cool. And for some of them to experience, you know, a Charlie Kaufman script and direction that they've probably never even seen anything like that before. Um, for them to experience that, I think it was, was really cool. And to be able to have conversations about that movie from people who hate it and people who love it with people who I never would have thought would watch that movie. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, no, I so, agree. I, I get that. So that's been a really cool thing. Um, so my number 10 is Palm Springs. And Palm Springs is probably, I don't want to say, it might be my comfort movie this year. Um, You know, when a lot of things have been um, kind of depressing this year, Palm Springs is kind of the movie I can watch to kind of escape from that and also confront it at the same time. It's hilarious. Um, It's probably my favorite Andy Samberg thing in a while. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm a, I'm a big sucker for the Groundhog Day premise. And I really like it anytime it's in a movie. Happy Death Day, obviously Groundhog Day, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, I really love the, the Groundhog Day thing. And I think they do some really cool uh, things with it that are different from other Groundhog Day movies that I, I really enjoy. And I'm a big How I Met Your Mother fan. So seeing Kristen Milioti in this movie um, was really cool. and yeah, Palm Springs uh, is just a delight. It has been a delight for me all year, and um, it's been a it's been a bright spot for me this year. Um, some of the, some of the other movies on my list are um, a little more somber and not as uh, <laughs> as lively and exciting as this one is. Um, so I, I wanted to give love to Palm Springs here because of just the joy and laughter it brought into this year for me. Okay. Yeah, Palm Springs, like, I've heard so, that's one of the ones, unfortunately, like, I am a theater person at heart, so trying to mm-hmm. keep up all the streaming movies has been an impossible feat to keep up with, and that's one of the ones that, unfortunately, kind of, like, yeah. I, knew I, I knew I heard about, and I heard a lot of great things about it, but it's just the timing, honestly, like, mm-hmm. trying to balance between Netflix, Hulu, and Prime, yeah. and it's oh, unfortunate. Uh, Cause there was this one on prime that I really wanted to see. And I, I knew I was not going to be able to make it unfortunately, yeah. but, um, but no, Palm Springs is definitely still on the watch list. If we have like a little break in jail <laughs> from like streaming movies, I'm definitely going to have a little time to catch up on those. Yeah. I, I believe it was also the, um, I, it premiered at Sundance and then I think was, was the highest selling movie there that this past year um and went straight to hulu so um it's definitely one i I think you'll probably enjoy it um but it's it's really good and it's probably the best comedy of the year i think off the top of my head um there haven't been many great ones but that that one's that one's pretty pretty solid all right what is your number nine movie of the year yeah so number nine is sadly the last movie i have seen in theaters all the way back in march and it is the invisible man the i had always had a thing with lee wanell style 
Because I remember I saw his work prior, and I was like, whoa, like, you're really solid at what you do. And Invisible Man really just doubles down on it. Like, the fact that he was able to just use the camera work to make you believe someone is there, Mm -hmm. but you never see them there, is just like, it's that one element of like, that fool if I saw it happen, and then when it happens, it's like, yes, you got it, you're doing what you can. Mm. And what I love about the film itself is that it's very timely. Like it has a very thematic like thing that's very relatable to today's standards of like the mindset of, you know, what do you deal when you're dealing with someone that is in a very like abusive relationship and you're trying to figure out how to mentally navigate that. And you know, how everyone else is trying to explain to you your way of of perceiving it. So it's, it's one of those ones that I felt like as a few, as one of the few blockbusters, like, it at least felt like there was a lot more to talk about as opposed to just like, oh, it's kind of scary. Oh, it's this. Mm-hmm. Like, no, there's actually a lot more to talk about than the average film. So that was my appreciation for that. Yeah, th- this movie, like I'm thinking of any of any things, is a little higher on my list. Um, but it's, like you said with Lee Winnell, I saw Upgrade before I saw this. And Upgrade is incredible. Um, the direction, the way it's shot, everything, it's really cool. It's like Venom, but better. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I, I had really high expectations for this. I heard a lot of great things about it, and it did not disappoint for me. It's probably one of the best horror movies I've seen in the last few years. Um, I think people are calling it a horror movie. I'm going to call it a horror movie. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And uh, the performances in it are great. The twists in it are great. Um, there's a scene, there's a hallway scene in a hospital that um, yeah. is just bananas, and <laughs> it's the the one shot stuff they do there is really cool. And there's just a lot of stuff to love with the Invisible Man, and it's it's one of the best of 2020 for sure. All right, so my number nine is a movie that came out back in June, I believe Palm Springs did as well. Um, but this is The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, at number nine for me. Um, this okay. this was a movie I was really looking forward to. Um, I knew it would probably be very timely, as a lot of Spike Lee's work often feels. Um, but I wasn't expecting, uh, I guess, to f- the visceral reaction I felt watching it. It's really long. I think it's two hours and 40 minutes-ish. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's pretty up there, yeah. Yeah, and... Sure, it could be trimmed a little bit here and there, um, but I I was uh, immersed in it and couldn't take my eyes off the screen, and I thought Spike Lee did a phenomenal job with it, and it's a film that has not left my mind really since I watched it, and um, there's a really there's just a lot of memorable se- memorable scenes and performances, and obviously um, we hope that Roy Lindo wins the Academy Award. At least that's what I hope uh, coming uh, next year. And Chadwick Boseman, obviously, um, rest in peace to him, but uh, incredible performance from him. Um, even though he's not in the movie as often as I thought he would be, the, the role he plays in it, um, when I look back on this year, um, is one of my favorite performances just because of what he, is, what he means to the rest of the people who are still, uh, you know, going back to this place. Um, and so, yeah, Defy Bloods is one of my favorites of the year. It comes in at number nine for me. Okay. Yeah, Defy Bloods really, really surprised me. Um, 
and you're you're absolutely right it it's actually kind of scary how time how perfectly timed Chadwick Boseman's performance is mm -hmm. in relation to this film so it's just like we're getting over the fact that he's passing and then we go in and we see this movie and we see the relationship they had with this these characters and it's just like oh god you are just gonna yeah. wreck me just mm -hmm. like I, I still was not over it by the time it happened so yeah I mean I I it, it's funny because like looking at his performance in that and then also Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, mm -hmm. it's like, please don't make me pick. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, at the moment I saw that film and I saw Delroy Lindo's performance, I was like, this, and there's that monologue. And I don't mm -hmm. think I have to ever explain to anybody who <laughs> the Five Bloods where I'm like, oh, yeah. Delroy Lindo's monologue and you automatically know yeah. which one it is. I was like, no, that's that's the scene that they use when it comes to Oscar <laughs> role nomination. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm all the way for him getting nominated this year. So yeah, yeah I, the the Chadwick stuff's interesting because I think he's going to win the Oscar for best performance in a leading role for Ma Rainey's. I believe that's where they're campaigning him. Yeah, um, I and I think he's got that in the bag. Uh, and obviously not just because he died, which is, I still can't get over that. Um, mm -hmm. But also it's just an electrifying performance that he gives in Ma Rainey's that just blew me away. Um, but yeah, this performance here too from him is for, for, for this year to get the performances we got from him while he was battling stage four cancer, yeah, just kind of unreal and incredible. Um, and courageous and a lot of other things uh and so yeah i i'm thankful that the performances we got from chadwick boseman were these two this year and that's what he's i, I don't know if he's doing uh the marvel what if animated stuff if he did any voice work for that they, um, they confirmed that he he did so okay he, so i guess that will be kind of his last quote-unquote performance um yeah but yeah the five bloods all around great movie um I'm really thankful we got it this year and we got it when we did. Um, mm -hmm. It's just great. And it's more entertaining than I think, you know, we hear two hours and 40 minutes and you kind of shrug at it and maybe think it might not, you know, might be a little slow or boring or whatever, but I, I found it to be really entertaining. So the five bloods for me at number nine. Okay. All right. All right. You're number eight. Okay. So this one is another one that was in theaters and it goes by, four simple words that don't really equal too much of a sentence but it still <laughs> means a lot it is never rarely sometimes always yeah. this scene in particular is it the means, hand scene uh is it the one where they no, touch hands no not the hands not the hands um the scene where we finally get the sense of why the movie is titled okay Everywhere. yes yes i heard you talking about yeah, I, I try not to give that, whenever I talk about that film, I try not to give out the reason why it's called that, but when you mm -hmm. find out, then it's like, oh, I get it, and then you yeah. see so much in that moment, and it's just like, oh, God, oh, God, like, what, it made me want to ask so many questions of what did this child go mm -hmm. through, or if that child will ever find peace in this situation, mm -hmm. and that's, those are the moments that really do lean towards it. Um, I mean, if any, if no one's heard of it before, it is very much a story involving abortion, but mm -hmm. it also just shows the factor that, you know, 
healing is not linear. Healing is not perfect. And we will never know the answer of why this person is going on this journey. But then it's not really uh, the reason for us caring that deeply. It's more so about us just learning from that person's experience that everyone's experience isn't the same. And you have to just learn to just be willing to sit down and listen to their reason why they're doing it. Yeah, th- this movie is um, really great. Uh, it's not on my top 10, but um, I will get to mention it later. But, um, you know, like you said, it is a movie about abortion. But I think you everyone can check their feelings about how they feel about abortion at the door when it comes to this movie. Because mm-hmm. I don't think this movie is trying to preach to you or trying to convince you um, one way or the other about how you should feel about the issue of abortion. Um, but rather here is this person who's been through this thing and here's how hard it is to get this thing. And I also think it talks a lot about um, women's healthcare and how difficult it is and a lot of other topics related to that. And so what I love about it is, like I said, it's not preachy. It's not trying to, um, you know, I I don't think it's um, trying to tell you how you need to feel about this issue one way or another. And it's just giving you this situation that you're in with this person um, from start to finish. And like you said, that scene you mentioned, incredible scene. And there's also a scene towards the end that deals with hands. I won't spoil it if no one's seen it, but it um, is really moving and powerful and heartbreaking and a lot of other feelings (laughs) wrapped up into one. Um, Mm -hmm. And also this movie is streaming on HBO right now. Um, I think it it just hit that hit there um, a few weeks ago. Um, So that's one if you miss early in the year that you can catch now um and i believe all the other movies that we've mentioned so far um are also available on streaming the invisible man's also on hbo the five bloods is on netflix i'm thinking of anything's on is on netflix and palm springs is on hulu so everything we've mentioned so far is available to you on some streaming service or another uh, for no extra charge so just yeah. a cool point there uh, but yes never rarely sometimes always is one of the best of the year for sure didn't make my top 10, but it was real close. Uh-huh. So for me, number eight was one that I didn't even know existed until a few weeks ago. Um, I just recently got my Apple TV plus free year with my Apple ID or whatever. And I was turned on to this movie uh, through a letterboxed user of some sort. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but it's a 2D animated movie called Wolf Walkers. Um, mm. Came out of nowhere. Uh, if you saw Klaus last year, um, it's kind of similar to that in just how it kind of just stumbled onto the scene and everyone's like, man, this 2D animated thing is really good. You should check it out. It's getting a lot of awards buzz and all this. And so I checked it out and it does not disappoint. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie um, to look at and story-wise. Um, it's, I won't give too much away about the plot because there's a lot of surprises in there that I think, um, people should check out for themselves. Um, but yeah, it's, um, like I said, 2d animated, it's by uh, a a small studio and it's on Apple TV plus right now. And I highly recommend it. It's called Wolf Walkers. Very good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't delved into apple tv too deeply but just sad because i recently got like a full year towards mm-hmm. it so i need to really get into that a little bit more um yeah it, it's interesting because apple tv seems like 
even though they may not get like the big name things, like the stuff that they are getting so far has been pretty interesting because yep. they they're they're definitely marketing themselves to a much more mature audience mm-hmm. for streaming films. So I, I definitely do want to spend a little bit more time over the next few weeks to really start digging into their catalog. Yeah, I believe next year for them is a big year because um, they they're getting Cherry uh, with Tom mm. Holland, uh, directed by the Russo brothers. And they're also getting um, the Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio movie, which I can't remember the title of that movie now I'm thinking I, about I, it. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I didn't know they had it. I, I kept thinking it was someone else that had it. but I, I believe they bought it for like over $400 million or something crazy. Um, but yeah, so next year, I think they've got a few movies that will be big um, awards contenders, at least. The, the people are push. They're they're pushing Cherry as an Oscar contender at this point. I'll believe it when I see it, um, mm-hmm. because people were also. I mean, I know it's a different movie, but people were also saying that Tom Holland was um, might get campaigned in an Oscar for an Oscar and Devil all the time, and that didn't really pan out. Um, yeah. So I'll wait to see on Cherry, but yeah, Apple TV's got some good stuff on there, including my number eight movie of the year, Wolfwalkers. Yeah, yeah, Cherry is definitely another one. We'll have to talk about it at a later time because <laughs> yeah. all I'm all I'm, just, all I'm just gonna say right now is, I, all I'm seeing is just I, I unfortunately Cherry I cannot associate Cherry without thinking about that poster. The with, poster, <laughs> yeah. with the half written chair on it, and I'm yeah. just like, that is not the way you start your Oscar campaign. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But all right, so number seven for me is another Netflix film. Um, This one is the small, this is probably a smaller one, um, but if you are interested in very psychological thriller horror films, this is very much up your alley, and it's going to be His House. His House is a, a very much of a mind trip, but it's also just like a great way to mix in African culture and then also like proverbs of you know, just the the emotional things that you take in. Like, if if no one's seen it yet, it's basically about a um a couple that flees South Sudan into an English town, and they're just trying to find a way to rebuild their lives and think about their things. But then they find out that their house is very very haunted to a terrifying degree, and it's just like those moments where you start really get, getting into the meat of just like seeing the house and like their actual moments where it genuinely scared me for a minute and i was like "Ooh, this is kind of nerve-wracking uh-huh. um but the twist just really like when we find out how things get to where they are then it's like oh wow wow and it just really adds to the dynamic of what they've been going through emotionally not mm. just in their relationship but in their lives as well so yeah yeah, his house is is a movie that I've missed this year, and it's on my watch list, like a lot of other things are. Uh, but I, I, it had a lot of buzz uh, towards you know the end of this year, um, and it, there was there was a lot of good um, horror-ish stuff throughout this year, especially towards the late late end with you know Lovecraft Country and some other things. Um, so yeah, his house is one I missed, but I look forward to catching. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about it. My number seven is I'm thinking of ending things, and we've already covered that. So mm-hmm. we'll move on to number six, uh, and I'll go first for number six here. And number six for me is from the Steve McQueen um, set of films, um, the Small Axe Anthology on 
uh, Amazon Prime, and it's Mangrove. Mangrove, um, for me, um, was really, really impacted me in a lot of different ways. But also pairing, it, it's hard to not compare these movies. But you know, there was another courtroom drama um, that came out know, about a month before this, maybe. Oh uh, yeah, the trial of the Chicago Seven, mm-hmm. and um, this this just had a different. Um, kind of impact on me emotionally uh, intellectually even than the trial of the Chicago seven did. Um, Steve McQueen um, is, is a filmmaker that I wasn't super familiar with before starting this uh, anthology set of movies that he made for Amazon prime. Um, and so sitting down to watch it, I had really no idea what to expect and um, was absolutely blown away by the performances. Um, I thought the courtroom stuff was done really well and was an aspect I was not expecting to love as much as I did because I'm not really a courtroom drama kind of person. Um, And there's a lot of small interactions too that have stayed with me a long time. Um, There's this scene of this kid uh, towards, I think it's towards the beginning of the film when, you know, I guess the quote unquote inciting incident of of the movie takes place. And uh, it was really emotionally affecting. And there was just a lot of stuff in this movie I could go on and on about um, that I really loved. Um, Letitia Wright is great in it, um, regardless of her views of the vaccine over the last couple of weeks. Um, she's just really great in the movie. Um, no yeah, uh, and, and there's just a really there's just a lot to love here. And it's, I'm gonna plug small acts in general here. Um, Lovers Rock, uh, Red, White, and Blue, Education, Alex Wheat. All those all those movies are wonderful and really worth checking out on Amazon Prime right now for free. If you have Amazon Prime, you can go watch all those. Steve McQueen made five movies for you to just watch. Um, at the same time. At, at the same time. Uh, and they're all really great. Um, this one has stayed with me the longest, though, I think. So number six for me is Mangrove. And what is your number six? Okay. Small, small acts, because yeah um ironically my number six is actually a another small axe film um mm. this is the only one of the five that i've been able to see and this is one that i think a lot of people really praise and i don't disagree with them it is lover's rock mm. lover's rock is just like the lover's rock is the party that I feel like I love it so much more because I can't party right now into 2020. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. So I, that's, part of the, that's part of the appeal of it. Um, I love the detail of it. Like this film is just gorgeous and shot. Like the way, like sure is, yeah. hearing the sizzle, the sizzle of the food, the the detail of the pressing comb, like the sweat on the the sweat on the walls at that. Like there's just so many details that make this film just like wow this is like this could have easily just been a typical little party film and that's it but just the eye is just really what makes it well and if you don't if you watch this film and you don't think to you you don't hear silly games in your head (laughs) like that scene is like it's i could easily complain about it being long but at the same time i'm like i feel like i would probably do the same thing if i was at that party so yeah yeah that was a moment the the silly game sequence is probably like in my top five I get, scenes of the year. Um, it's it's amazing. Um, if yeah, like you said, if you don't have that song stuck in your head for a long time, did you even watch the movie? You know, 
uh, it's pretty short. It's like 70 minutes or something. Um, but it's just, I think in my letterbox, letterbox review, I said it's just a vibe from start to finish. Like there's no plot really. Um, yeah. But it doesn't yeah, mean I get much. It. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's just great. Just put it on and have a good time and it'll be over in, in 70 minutes and you'll, really, you'll be really glad you watched it. Um, it's, it's like you said, beautifully shot. Um, I loved it as well. Didn't make my top 10. I don't know if that's just because of, of length or I don't know why. Um, but it, it is in my honorable mentions. So Lover's Rock, Small Acts in general. Go watch all of it. Um, it's really great stuff. All right. Moving into the top five. What is your number five? All right. So number five is one of the unfortunately ones that is not available just yet but yep. if you pe if people just wait and be patient and actually support the movie when it actually comes out do not seek this one out on screeners or anything because it actually is deserving of your time i'm gonna go with minari mm. minari is like a beautiful reflection of american culture from a culture that is not typically american we see a family that it's like, hey, we have we don't have a lot of money to our name, but we're gonna try everything that we can. We're gonna build this beautiful land and really try to make it really our own kind of garden of Eden, for lack of a better word. Mm. And just seeing the relationships is like really what really elevates it for me. Um, there's these moments with the little boy and the grandmother that are honestly hilarious. <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to give away this one joke. I mean, it's in the trailer if you look it up, but it's a freaking hilarious moment. But mm. it's just really one of those things. It's just like a really good reflection on, you know, Amer just like American culture on the outside looking in. So this is one to definitely see if you get the chance to. Just a tad long on the third act. But other than that, it's still a really good time. Yeah, I've seen a lot of great things about Minari. Steven Yoon is my guy. Um, I love that guy, um, and I I hope he gets awards recognition somewhere. If it's not from the Academy, from other places, um, I know there's been some controversy with it already in the Golden Globes. Um, yeah, which was really unfortunate. Like, yeah, yeah, that was a low blow for that film, unfortunately. And I will, without giving too much away, you will really like Stephen Ewan in this film. Yeah, I've heard amazing things about his performance in this, and I can't wait to check it out when I get the chance. All right, so number five for me was um, The Invisible Man, which we've already talked about, so we can move on to number four. And number four for me is the documentary Time on Amazon Prime. Mm. And um, it's a absolutely gorgeous documentary. Um, it's also heartbreaking, but also the ending is just so great that it almost it lifts your spirit so much i even teared up a little bit and got a little misty-eyed um the i guess the basic plot synopsis of the documentary is it surrounds this family as um the the dad and the husband of the family has been incarcerated um they're trying to shorten his prison sentence to get him out of prison and it's kind of that that journey uh, and what that family goes through um, it's all in black and white and it's really beautiful. And um, the, the mother, the wife of the movie, the, the, the main, I don't even want to say character, but the main person uh, featured in this documentary is just in incredible. The tenacity, the grace, the passion, um, 
everything um, she does in the documentary is just wonderful and um, inspiring. Um, and, and Time has been one of those movies that has stuck with me every single day since I watched it. And uh, it's just incredible stuff. And it's waiting, sitting there for you on Amazon Prime whenever you choose to watch it. Um, it's really, it's like an hour and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so not, not a super lengthy watch, but man, one of the most impactful movies of the year for me uh, personally. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for Minari's like, I need to see this now or I won't be able to see it at all for the rest of the <laughs> oh, yeah. time. The time is unfortunately one that I really wanted to see, but this and another film that I'm going to talk about later, I, I was like, I, I'm not going to be able to see it but by the end of the year if I don't see those. So I had to kind yeah. of be like, all right, I had to kind of take the L on that. I've, I've heard so many great things about time. It seems like something that is like what I look for and mm. I do plan to watch it again, watch it in the near future for sure. Yeah, it's great stuff. All right, moving on to your number four. What do you number, got? number four is just, it just panders to my love of sci-fi and just like the surrealism aspect of it. And just happens to be the son of a popular sci-fi director and that is Possessor. Oh yeah. Possessor is just insanity, and I love it for that exact reason. I knew it is very violent. I <laughs> I tell I tell everybody this as a heads up. I watched the uncut version. I don't know if there's a difference between the R-rated version or the uncut version. I've looked online, and it seems like it's not that much of a difference. So I will just tell people right now: if you plan to watch Possessor uncut. Be ready to see a lot of blood, like a yeah. like a Quentin Tarantino level amount of blood. Like, and mm-hmm. there is one scene. Um, there's actually two scenes that have never left my mind of just like this transformation that is just like it uses practical effects where it kind of like it builds itself up and it's like wow that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then there's one scene involving Sean Bean where light slight spoiler if you know anything about sean bean memes then you kind of know what his fate is gonna be with sean bean and there's a moment where i was like um i might throw up after this it's it's pretty gruesome but um but no seriously possessor is is amazing and if you haven't seen it it is on vod i know it just got released to disc so it'll probably be a while until it goes on to streaming sites yeah, I haven't seen Possessor yet, um, but it, it, from everything everyone said about it, it sounds like something I would deeply appreciate, and so I've been waiting um, to check that one out on VOD. Um, but yeah, it, it, like you said, the son of a, of a famous filmmaker um, catches my attention. Um, I've heard great things um, about this movie, about everything involving this movie. It's been on a lot of people's top 10 of the year lists and it's something I'm really looking forward to checking out when I get the chance. So possessor, go check that one out. Um, all right. So number three, what is, what is your number three? Oh, so number three is unfortunately another one that won't be available just yet, but will be available as it comes time closer to Oscar season. And that is the possible front runner that I think a lot of people yeah. have heard now. Nomad land. Nomadland is a reminder of how gorgeous America is, and mm. I know that sounds super self-indulgent, but it's also <laughs> time of a reminder of how 
sometimes like being able to be away from you know the typical civilization lifestyle just makes you really wonder about like this there are some gorgeous gorgeous like wide shots and i would honestly vouch for this to be up for best cinematography they use a lot of like twilight hours so mm -hmm. they get that good like blue into like the orange like 6 a.m maybe early mm -hmm. 7 a.m morning shots and it's the most like documentary but not really documentary yeah. kind of film that i've seen so far like it's one of those films that is like literally a narration away from a documentary but <laughs> It, and it's and that's the only way I could describe it. But um, it does make me wonder to just like look in this world and just kind of reflect on it. Like the plot is like relatively like very small scale, but at the same time, it's just like it's interesting seeing all these other people's lives and how they live their life and how sometimes like the simplicity is just like all they really need. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, this movie is one that I haven't been able to see yet, but also has been talked about uh, ad nauseum across a lot of different places where people talk about movies. Um, if I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast love Marvel movies and things. So the director of this movie um, is directing uh, The Eternals, which is coming out hopefully next year. And she's wonderful. And every interview I've ever seen with her and heard her talk. And um, she just most recently did one with Barry Jenkins um, that was amazing and they talked about why they chose to do these like franchise movies going forward um and it's a great interview sit down with the two of them um and she's just wonderful and so i'm really looking forward to catching nomadland um when it's available to me to watch uh, because i'm a big supporter of her and also francis francis mcdormand's great um so i i personally even though i haven't seen it i hope it wins best picture and hopefully when i see it i can also say that with confidence that i hope it wins yeah best picture. yeah i'm really curious like after seeing that i'm like all right so how are you bringing this style into because it could <laughs> yeah. honestly be like the biggest like surprise like in the marvel films because i've never seen someone go for like that hard for like the best picture front runner and then turn around and make a marvel movie like this is yeah. one that i'm all right, I'm really interested in Eternals now. Yeah, and hopefully she brings her own flair uh, to the Eternals, and um, hopefully that movie is great too. Has a great cast and a great director. So, yeah. um, my number three is a movie that I don't really think anyone's talking about, and that's fine. Um, but we're gonna talk about it here for a second. Um, so my number three is a South Korean horror movie. Um, it's on Netflix right now. It is called The Call. And it, the the premise, um, there I think there's some other movies that have kind of a similar premise. But there's this there's this phone that connects these two people from two different times, mm. and that's pretty much all I'm gonna say about the plot because there's a there's so many twists and turns in this movie that I I, I just want to save that for most people who haven't seen it. Um, it. It's honestly a horror masterpiece, in my opinion. I, I think it, the way it sets things up, sets things up and pays things off throughout the movie. It's a really re a rewarding watch and a rewarding rewatch, and um, it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Um, I know I know it's kind of divisive because it has a controversial ending. As a movie that has a lot of twists and turns, you would guess that a movie like this probably would have a controversial ending. And it definitely does. It definitely swings for the fences on the ending. 
and where how that ending makes you feel is probably how you'll feel about the movie as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I absolutely adore this. Um, I believe it was a directorial debut, which makes it even more impressive. And there's some familiar, some familiar faces. Um, I believe um, the lady who is in the second leading role, there's kind of like two leading roles. There's kind of like two main characters. Um, one of them is from the movie Burning, which if that's a pretty popular um, South Korean movie over the last couple of years. She's in this and she's amazing. Um, and there's just great performances across the board here. Um, so I cannot recommend The Call on Netflix highly enough. It's one of my favorite movies of the year, one of my favorite horror movies of the last, well, I don't know how long, 10 years maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, just incredible. The cinematography is great. Um, like I said, the script um, sets things up and pays things off throughout the whole movie, and it's, it's a really cool watch. And it's a movie that you know not a lot of people are talking about right now. So if you're looking for something that's, you know, not as popular or not as mainstream, I guess um, the call is waiting for you on Netflix. I will say it has a dub version um, with like, I don't know, English over top of the actors. Um, I would just recommend watching the subtitled version. So for what that's worth. Yep. Subtitles are nothing. Yeah. um, I haven't seen the call, um, but I'll definitely be sure to keep a lookout for that. Just like from how you sound like, um, I mean, of course, like, if you're going to have like that many twists and turns, like, of course, it's no surprise that the ending is like, yeah. like a very divisive thing. So yeah, that sounds good so far. Yeah. It's, um, it's also bloody, uh, <laughs> like you were talking about, it's not probably not nearly as bloody as possessor is, but just a warning for those of you going into it, it does, um, have quite a bit of blood in it. Um, okay. All right. Number two what is your number two movie of 2020 so number two is one that you actually mentioned right uh earlier in your list Uh, mine is a little bit higher because it's basically the closest thing to a miniseries in a two and a half plus hour film Hmm. and that it's one of those ones that's so like fascinating in like the way it's shot, like the details, like, mm. and like you said, Chadwick Boseman's performance and Delroy Lindo's performance as well. Like, it's just, it's so interesting seeing the, all these different dynamics of characters together. And it's one that's never really left my brain. Like, I understand it's divisive, but at the same time, it's like, this is about as much of a Spike Lee movie with yeah. a budget as yeah. we're probably get. And I'm totally okay with that. And I'm still mad that he didn't get a bigger budget um, because, there, I mean, there's war sequences and stuff in here and some of the blood doesn't look great and they weren't able to achieve everything they wanted with costumes sometimes. And I think Spike talked about this, mm-hmm. um, but how Martin Scorsese got, what, $300 million to make The Irishman? And yeah, he, it was yeah, a he got like high. half that um, for the, the five I think bloods. less than that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like closer to like 60. Yeah. So th- there's been, there's been a lot of talk when the movie came out about budget uh, discrepancies between, you know, directors of color and white directors and um, specifically when it comes to Netflix um, and how they do things. But, um, but yeah, it's, we've said a lot about the five bloods already. It's incredible. Just watch it. It's Spike Lee for me firing on all cylinders. Um I know not everyone mm-hmm. loves it, um, 
I, I think it has a pretty terrible Rotten Tomatoes user score. Um, but I don't really care about yeah. these things. So. Which is fine. Yeah. And and people wonder why I don't like the user score when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, because that's why. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think it's a pretty low. People in general, it's not it's not, I guess, you know, it was kind of marketed by Netflix in some ways, I think as like a summer blockbuster when it's not really mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a very different movie than a summer blockbuster, but anyway, the five bloods is great. Check it out on Netflix right now. And my number two movie of the year is one that just hit Amazon prime a few weeks ago. And it's one I've been looking forward to all year. And I'm so glad it was as amazing as I was hoping it was going to be. Um, because there's been some disappointments throughout the year that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but Sound mm-hmm. of Metal is my number two movie of the year. Mm-hmm. And it stars Riz Ahmed as a rock band drummer who's starting to lose his hearing. And that's all I'll say about the plot because I had no idea where this movie was going to go because that's all I knew about the movie. And I didn't really know what the story of the movie as a whole was going to look like. So I'll just kind of... Mm-hmm be vague about the plot because it goes in some directions that I wasn't expecting. And that really hit me emotionally. And it has one of the best endings of the year um, with very few words. Um, And yeah, I'm getting emotional talking about it now, actually. Um, There's, I think I expected it to be closer to whiplash than Mm -hmm. um, it's actually closer to a movie like short term 12 like in the way it's impact and it's emotional impact on me and in the directions Mm -hmm. it goes. Um, So yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, the movie that it was. And it surprised me in all the best ways. Um, Riz Ahmed's probably not going to win an Oscar because Chadwick Boseman's incredible. Um, But I hope he's at least nominated because he's absolutely electric in this movie and just, he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dead out to head. I mean, I can't really add any more other than just that. That's all I can really just say towards it. Um, you know, it's funny because, uh, spoiler, my number one was <laughs> Sound of Metal. There we go. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's uh, it's exactly everything you said. I think I think it is profound with me. Um, a little quick backstory for me. I actually come from being around a lot of musicians as well. Mm. And I've always been kind of like very quietly conscious of what is my hearing doing as I'm, <laughs> yeah. when I would go to concerts, I would go yeah. to concerts like on a regular basis. And a lot of times I would be down in the pit photographing other musicians. So naturally I'm getting blasted with this sound like on a regular basis. And I've always been obsessed with being that, but I've always kind of thought to myself, I need to be very, really careful about it. And the moment, that he started losing his hearing is just terrifying like the sound design i cannot praise the sound design of sound of metal any more than it has been like yeah it should have the award in the bag i would guess but we'll see i I don't see any other movies beating it this year like i i remember i was like advocating really hard for the sound editing and mixing for baby driver but this film i'm like no i am advocating for the sound editing (laughs) sound of metal like yes. please do not take this away from me and yeah the the last shot is just so, like that's 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 how you end that kind of movie yep 100 percent. all right so we've covered all of your top 10 i think i just have my number one to go and it's a movie i think we're i don't want to say completely divided on but i know we have some differing opinions on 
Um, number one for me just came out, and it's Soul. Um, oh, okay. The, I was not expecting it to i mean it's pete doctor so in a lot of ways yes i was expecting it to be great um but onward had come out this year and i thought that was good not great and um i was i loved toy story 4 but not everyone did and so i was kind of worried about pixar in some ways um but i was really excited that they were getting back to original storytelling and that sort of thing and i know pete doctor is a really deep thinker and um, a really deep creative thinker and this movie rocked me to my core not in an emotional way um but more in, in intellectually um it's not a movie that made me cry but it's a movie that made me think about my purpose my existence my identity my those kind of things um as opposed to like bing bong and inside out like it's a different kind of emotional reaction mm -hmm. and it's one i wasn't expecting and so um, it just hit me in all the right ways. I was a little worried, but for those of you who haven't seen it, there's like a, there's a cat in the movie, as I'm going to say. And I was really worried for about three minutes about what they were going to do with that cat. And I was like, are we doing Secret Life of Pets? Are we doing, like, what are we doing here? And there's actually a level of depth to that um, sequence that I wasn't expecting and that really took like swept me off my feet um and what and, and what it was trying to say um i know it's probably controversial um a little bit i've seen some talk about it uh, on twitter and stuff um but that sequence had me scared but it it was fine um i just love this movie the the score from um trent Reznor and atticus ross is just amazing um the jazz stuff um is it john baptiste who does the jazz stuff i can't remember i i think that's yes right. yes that's him. um and that's really great too and it's beautiful to look at um yeah soul is my number one movie of the year it's one of my it's in my top 10 pixar movies of all time um but i know i i think you're a little lower on it than i am um so yeah what did you think of soul yeah, I mean, I, I still really enjoyed it. Like, it was, it's definitely in that very close, like, honorable mentions range. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it did have some, to be fair, some pretty stiff competition. Um, yeah. But there's there's a lot to really enjoy about it. Like, the half-note scene is gorgeously designed. It like, is, the lighting. Yeah. I It's interesting, like, really talking about, like, animation because, like, we, I grew up, familiar with how the designs were with the first Toy Story and I remember seeing that so to go from the first Toy Story and then you see Soul where you're able to stage lighting wise like a half note scene like that yeah. and being able to get like a lot of like the backlighting even on the actress's hair like this is like oh my god this is this mm -hmm. is one out of the few movies that got into streaming that I really wished I saw in the theater but yeah. um, I mean and when it comes out on 4k blu-ray i mean that's a definite pickup because <laughs> yeah. i just want to see the guy on on the screen again um the only the only reason it didn't completely get there just yet was i still really enjoyed it it's still again it's one of those factors of it was like on the edge like i think i had it at like 11 or 12 so it was mm -hmm. like really close to being on the board but it was just it was so close but it's still undeniably still worth talking about and still worth enjoying and having a great time with. 
Yeah, I and I think too. I think we've talked about the Oscars a little bit throughout this because it's when we're talking about best movies of the year, it's kind of impossible not to. But um, I think this has a shot at best at being nominated for best picture. I don't think it'll win, but we yeah. haven't had an animated movie nominated for best picture since Toy Story three, and based on the reviews I've seen and the reception that it's gotten, I I think there's a legit chance it gets nominated for best picture. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And and the good thing is, like you said, um, unless like January, February has some shocking surprises, um, yeah. there's not too much competition. Um, I think that that has a good space. I think Sound of Metal has a really good space. Nomadland, Minari. Yeah. Um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I think, is another possible as well. Mank, um, even. We haven't really talked about Mank, but. I yeah, Mank. Mank. Make might unfortunately be the dark horse of this one because <laughs> yeah. it's it's unfortunate because I really like David Fincher. I haven't I seen Mank, but I, but I but that divide is so split. It might be one of those like um you remember Extremely Loud and Dangerously Close? Yes. Yeah. So like how that film was like the film that got nominated for Best Picture and everybody just looked around like what why this? So make make uh, might unfortunately may be one of those ones, but we'll see in due time. I think David Fincher might. I don't want to say he's a lock for best director, um, but it'd just be really unfortunate if he wins for this and not Social Network. But it's it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. So we've gone through our top ten movies of the year, and we have some uh, quote unquote uh, superlatives that we um, want to give out here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to mention my honorable mentions, mention my honorable mentions uh, that didn't make the top 10, um, but I do want to plug because they're great and should be watched. Um, some of these we've already talked about a little bit, um, but Sylvie's Love just dropped on Amazon Prime with Tessa Thompson. Um, it's a very old school throwback um, romance movie from like the 50s, and it's great. The music is incredible in it. Um, it's it's a really good watch, easy watch. Um, can't recommend that enough. And then I'm going to plug Run, which is a thriller on Hulu, which is another great horror thriller movie this year. Host, another horror movie this year. Um, Lover's Rock, we already talked about. Bad Education uh, with Hugh Jackman on HBO was really great this year. Trial of the Chicago 7 was really good. We already talked about Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. And we talked a little bit about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but that was also another movie I really liked this year. I didn't quite um, make my top 10. So those are my honorable mentions. Um, Travis, do you have anything as well? Yeah, so I'm going to try to keep them relatively quickly. Um, So the first one I definitely want to mention, and it's also because it's home team, because the director is from D.C., and it it is Residue, which is on Netflix right now. It is a DC filmmaker's POV of the changing, shifting gentrification within the Washington Mm. area. And the metaphor of the residue is actually actually incorporated about like halfway into the film and is really kind of like fascinating in its own way. It's super experimental. Um, certain things can, certain experiments gel a little bit stronger than others, but it is one worth um, worth talking about and it's a solid hour and a half and anybody cool. who DC can really enjoy it. Next one would also be Soul as well, which is one that we talked about in very good detail. It's still visually very, very stunning. It's a lot to talk about. It's very rewatchable. I've already watched it two times already. 
and it's a great enjoyable time. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I would also say as well um, is a documentary that I saw a few months back, and it's very hard to watch, especially in this time, which is totally under control. Mm-hmm. And that is involving the the prelude to seeing how COVID-19 affected America and how we were not prepared for it. It is like looking at it now and seeing how every, I wrote it in my review on Letterboxd, I said it's very hard to watch it knowing that now in the position we're in, we're in a worse predicament now than we were. Mm. Um, And last one I'm going to mention is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, The acting is very solid across the board. Mm -hmm. Chadwick Boseman crushes it and, you know, Viola Davis crushes it. I feel like everybody really did a great job. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I think there was just, there's part of me that I really wanted to get a little bit more from mm-hmm. by it, but that's really about it. Oh, very last one. Yep. There's a short film called Sleep, directed by Jack Rodriguez. If you have seen The Lighthouse, it is basically mm. like that, but in 14 minutes form. It's very small budgeted. But it is undeniably like very, it's very much Lighthouse inspired, but it is undeniably worth watching and worth talking about. Yeah. Cool. Uh, And some of the extra superlatives um, for this year. Biggest surprise of the year in a good way. Um, I'll start here. Um, I have two here. Um, The Vast of Night, directed by Andrew Patterson. Um, Mm. It's on Amazon Prime. Really good, low key sci fi movie. They do a lot of cool stuff that. If you like read interviews on how they made the movie, it'll make you want to go make a movie, which I think is a really cool thing. Um, and it's just great stuff. And then I also have a movie I just watched really recently, um, and it's Love and Monsters. Now, I heard Love so many things about it. Love and Monsters, I was expecting to be absolutely horrendous. I, <laughs> the, the concept to me was really dumb. I'm not a big Dylan O'Brien fan, but I am a huge Jessica Henwick fan. And I had really no idea what to expect going in. And it was just delightful. Um, it's, it's endearing and charming and, and corny and kind of cheesy in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just struck a lot of good chords with me. I'm also just a sucker for sci-fi and romance in general. So it's a, it's a good blend for me. And uh, it was a big surprise for me. So what, what are some of your biggest surprises from the year? Um, I think it would be two. And these are kind of like the bigger like sequel films. Um, when you told when you told me that a bad boys movie was coming out in January, I said, <laughs> yeah. "Oh God, January! That's the kiss of death." <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, but and and I didn't know how a direct like a Michael Bay direct a non Michael Bay directed bad boys movie would pan out. But I actually felt like it was like actually like willing to try to be a little bit more mature. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit more focused this time around. A lot shorter, thank God. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those like big surprises that I just didn't think I was going to enjoy as much. And I enjoyed the occasional references. And another one I would say would be Borat's subsequent movie film. Oh yeah. The twist in that film is really you going there, Mm -hmm. but in a weird way, it actually works. So if you haven't seen it by now, like the twist is actually kind of makes it worth it i don't know how that's going to gel with everybody but yeah it works and the actress that like plays off of borat is like so i think awesome. she's going to get nominated for an oscar i really do I, there's I been th- some talk about that um at least a golden globe nomination i think that's in the bag but yeah yeah she definitely like 
really holds her own pretty well. And I, I think she has a good chance. Yeah, two great picks. Um, unfortunately, there were some bad movies that came out this year or movies, I guess, that were disappointing. Maybe you had high expectations for that didn't live up to that. Um, so I have a couple here, none too surprising probably. Um, the first one is Project Power, which came out in uh, August, I think, um, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jamie Foxx, really cool premise. Uh, but that's about where the movie ends. Um, there's not really a good, a, much of a plot to it. Um, there's not a ton of emotional resonance or anything to really connect to. There's cool action scenes for sure. The CG is pretty cool. Um, but it's really, it's a really hollow movie that I didn't get much out of. And, you know, when you have a cool premise and two great actors and a new great young actress who plays the, the young girl in this movie, um, I was hoping for something that was going to be a little more memorable than it was. Yeah, um, it, it just was. And then another is, <laughs> I, I'm not shocked we haven't talked about this yet, but it's, I think we just need to. Uh, Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. Um, it's not at all. And the way Glenn Close looks in this movie, I think I put this in my letterbox review. Do you, have you seen Captain Marvel? Yes. You know the girl that she fights, old lady she fights with on the train? Oh, God. Yeah, I know exactly. That's what Glenn Close oh. looks like for this whole movie. Uh, I could I not unsee it. <laughs> I can't watch Captain Marvel now. Like, you have ruined it yeah, for yeah. me. Um, yeah, it's just not good. Uh, I like Ron Howard as a dude. Um, I think he's made some okay movies. But, man, what a what a Oscar bait misfire this movie was. Um, every year has it. Every, every year has it. It's true. Um, I was expecting it to be okay, at least, like Amy Adams. I, I knew it was going to be Oscar bait, and so I was like, oh, it could be all right then. Um, and, no, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, just a total misfire from everyone involved, but it's whatever. If you like it, that's cool. That's a pretty high Rotten Tomatoes user score, so yeah, I guess people like it. Yeah, no, those are those are definitely um, solid picks. Um, yeah, I do agree with you that Project Power and Concept seem like there was a lot to do, but they just didn't as well. Um, and yeah, so uh, um, um, and the second one is more recent and unfortunately it's getting a little bit too much of a bad rep so I'm going to hold off on that one just yet. Yeah. So my first disappointment will be involving an actress who is a great singer who I truly love with my heart and soul and I was really excited to see her in a leading role and Antebellum is not, <laughs> it is not. I was yeah. so upset. I remember being confused by the trailers, but I said, all right, but I'm still gonna hold on because it's Janelle Monet and I love what she does. And you know, it's a really interesting choice. And I remember just thinking for the first 30 minutes, when is it gonna be Antebellum then? And it's just not yeah. happening. Yeah. And then when the reveal happens, I was like, oh my God. You are not. You are not. And the worst part is, if you're going to go that route, at least have something else to say about it. And it just doesn't. And it just breaks my heart. Because I'm like, I should be way more excited about this movie than I am. But, but no desire to buy it physically. I don't have it. I would have figured it would have been front and center. Like, hey, there's a Janelle Monae movie I love. And this is mm -hmm. just not it. Yeah. Um. Ugh. Yeah, the this one, I don't. I, let me preface this. I don't 
dislike this film. I just feel like it's unfortunate. Oh, that's right. I think I know what you're going to say, and it's a movie we need to talk about. So I go ahead. Yeah. So when I tell people this, I say I don't dislike this movie because of everybody else's. It's one of those movies where I'm like, I'm willing to give it a chance because I liked what it was doing prior. And unfortunately, it just does, it loses its way. And it's the film that everybody's been complaining about recently. Wonder Woman 1984. Oh my goodness, yeah. It, it just, I'm bad talking about it because I'm like, I don't hate this film. I was actually accept its tone. I was willing to accept its absurdity. But it's just, it's one of those films that just really just needed to say, can we just get this one last rear? Because it's just that thing that's just like, it's not there. Like, this time is a little bit more interesting. Mm. And, but at the same, a lot of the decisions that are made, and it's just like, it swings for the fences so hard that it actually kind of loses it. I really enjoyed the No Man's Land scene prior in the previous film. I was hoping for at least something that matches that excitement, and it just never does. And I, it just, it, I, I don't, I feel like everybody's kind of been writing it off, and it's just like, it, this is far from the worst film I've seen this year. If I yeah, told people what my truth up, they would just be like, what, this? It's like, there is worse in the this year that's come out. And I, I would talk about it, but I, I think you wouldn't believe me if I told you it existed. <laughs> yeah, this movie, man, um, I think based on what I've seen on Twitter, a lot of people had the same experience I did with it. Um, you watch it once, it's fine. Like, I actually enjoyed myself the first time I watched it. Um, had a good time with it. It's just when you devote any amount of brain power to think about this movie, it falls mm-hmm. apart incredibly fast. Yeah. And that's, it just doesn't hold up very well for me. Um, it gets worse every day I think about it. And it's not really because people on Twitter are pointing things out to me or anything like that. It's not because of the critic score dropping like crazy. It's not because of any of that. It's just because the absurdity of this movie. And honestly, I think the plot of this movie is very dumb. And a lot of plots to comic book movies are dumb. I understand Mm-hmm. But but this one, it it just didn't doesn't work for me as much as it did the first time I watched it. I think the way they brought Steve Trevor back was extremely problematic for the movie. There yeah, a lot of things they should have explained that they just didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think the pacing is pretty horrid. Uh, <laughs> like we we go without seeing Diana as Wonder Woman for a good hour and a half. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. Which is interesting because the first film does a similar thing. And I remember having an issue with it in the first film, but it felt like it was way more of an issue last time, this time around, because I was like, there's not enough plot to warrant going, not going Wonder Woman for like an hour plus. Correct. And I'm a big fan of the first one. I like it quite a bit. Um, The third act is a huge issue with me with that movie. Um, Most superhero movies have a bad third act. So like, I'm willing to give that a pass. Um, but it's also bad here, which was something I was hoping was not going to happen because Patty Jenkins has talked a lot about the third act from the first movie and how, you know, people complain about it and they're right to complain about it. And then she just, they went and did the same thing. And I I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like what is happening right now? Uh, I, Cheetah looks awful and it was just a weird, 
a weird third act. Um, Pedro Pascal, this is spoilers, I guess. Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal finds his kid in the forest somehow. And like, it's just a very strange, <laughs> strange third act of the movie. But yeah. I, I don't dislike this movie either. I know it sounds like I do, but I don't. Because Wonder Woman in this movie and in the first one has this inherent goodness about her that is just so endearing and charming and likable that most superhero movies or most superheroes in general around don't have that anymore because studios are pushing the, the cynicism and the darkness and the, all that sort of thing for more edgy superheroes. And no one has been able to make me feel the way that Diana Prince and Gal Gadot's Diana Prince specifically has made me feel. Um, she's constantly caring for other people. She's um, constantly fighting for the good in others. And I think the only person I've really seen be able to pull this off since like Christopher Reeve um, is Chris Evans as Captain America. Like that's like the closest yeah. thing I can think of um, that's still around today. Like just that kind of superhero. And I guess kind of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man has some of that too. Um, but yeah, she holds the movie together for me and is a reason I still like it. Um, but it has, it has a lot of issues <laughs> and a lot of issues. Um, so I can accept that it's deeply flawed and also um, really entertaining. And um, it's a superhero movie and I, I like superhero movies, so I like this one. Um, but it just has a lot of plot issues for me that really hold it back. I really enjoy, so you talked about the No Man's Land scene from the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the mall scene that opens the movie. Um, uh-huh. Just like I said, it's just so charming. Like, and I was like, okay, so this is the tone of this movie. And then it kind of is, but it's kind of not. Um, yeah. I thought the mall scene was cheesy and kind of corny and playful and in a good way. And then everything that follows after was kind of in a bad way. <laughs> and yeah, no, um, I agree with you. Like, after the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm really excited about this. And then they never really revisit the themes from the opening the, uh, opening scene on Themyscira. They don't really follow up on much that happens in the opening 20 minutes that I love so much. And then it was just kind of gone. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was watching it with my girlfriend as well. Um, and we were sitting there and I kind of had that same combo. And I said to her myself, I said, I asked her, I was like, do you feel the same way about the... Uh, the opening scene that it doesn't really add on top of the rest of the film and she was like no I don't either and I felt like that was like because like I'm listening to what she's telling Diana and I'm like okay it's about like cheating and getting the way you want yeah and that's gonna come around at the end again like, <laughs> right like it feels so like direct with that mm-hmm. and yeah it just becomes like really sadly frustrating how it just doesn't you know connect as well as it should have yeah and and i'm i'm probably like you i'm still excited about the third one i hope patty jenkins is the only one who has any control over the script um Mm -hmm. just because i just want to know what wonder woman looks like from her vision and her vision only um and so i am excited about the third one i love patty jenkins in general so i'm excited about her star wars movie she's making um but this was just a little bit of a misfire for me, even though I do like a lot of things about it. It was just a little disappointing, I guess. Is all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we so, all have. Yeah. Our, 
yeah, we all we all have our one film that just doesn't connect, and it's not a reason to write anybody off. Like I've seen other filmmakers where I'm like, I don't love their other films. That doesn't mean that I'll go. It doesn't mean I want them fired either. Yes, correct. That's how I feel too. And there's one. Um, there's a couple movies I want to hit on before we we wrap up just quickly. Um, I asked on my Facebook page last night if there were movies that people had seen that um, they really loved this year. And there were a couple that we haven't talked about that I do want to mention. Uh, the Hamilton on Disney Plus, um, a lot of people really love that. I'm not huge into Broadway musicals, so it's not really up my alley. But I know a lot of people really love that movie. It was a big movie for 2020. Um, whether it counts, I guess, as a, a movie movie, I guess, is up for debate. But I would count it. Um, and Tenet was the other one that we haven't talked about. Um, and we were originally going to yeah, do a whole podcast yeah. on Tenet. The two of us were. It just didn't work out that way. Um, but if you want to say something quickly, if you've seen Hamilton, or we can talk about Tenet for a minute, too. Okay. Well, Hamilton is, that was my first time experiencing Hamilton for the first time. And I totally understood why people enjoyed it as mm -hmm. well. Um, it was on my top 10 list at one point because I felt like at the very least, like it is one film that I'm glad that they took the route that they did of just letting the original play play out as opposed to adapting and trying to make it theatrical. I'm like, honestly, it works perfectly fine as a play. And that's all it really needs. Like, you get the chance to really see like the play, the movement and how the chemistry between the actors is just like, it's really enjoyable. And if anything, it will make more people excited to actually see it in, in the play. And I would For sure. actually really watch it also, even after seeing it. Yeah. All right, so a few words about Tenet um, before we peace out of here, because I think it was probably the biggest discussion point um, surrounding movies throughout this year. Um, I thought, it was kind of funny that Christopher Nolan pushed so hard to get a theatrical release and then critics kind of didn't like it. Um, I mean, most, mm. it, it has like a favorable rotten, I think it's like 67% or something. Um, but yeah, I just think that's kind of funny that it came out to mixed reviews after Nolan was like pushing it as like his masterpiece or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like this movie a lot. Technically I, very much think there's a lot of amazing amazing action sequences i think there's um there's a the, the third act of this movie i think is really cool um because i they didn't show any of it in the trailer so i didn't really know what to expect from it when it started going mm -hmm. um, the music by louis Gorenson is just phenomenal um and it's it's a good movie i i i just don't love it uh there's nothing for me to emotionally connect to, which I don't often uh, look for that in spy movies, I guess. Um, but I, I was kind of hoping for just anything to connect to at all. Um, you don't even know some of these characters' names. And that, that was a big problem for me. It's also just really confusing. Um, but I like Tenet as a whole. It didn't make my top 10. Now you're my honorable mentions. I think it's in like my top 30 maybe, but um, not one of my favorites of the year, but um, a good... Christopher Nolan, James Bond, Mission Impossible type movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way as well. Um, it is one that is fascinating. Technically, um, the fight between, this is a spoiler, the fight between the protagonist and the inverted protagonist is mind-blowing considering yeah. that they actually shot that practically. Like, 
Mm -hmm. the the little, I've been digging into the special features of the film and how they made it and just like the way that throwing a punch inverted is not the same way you throw a punch in regular time it's just like those little things yeah. and it's just like it's it's fascinating on a technical aspect but man if you literally try to get into the deep end of like trying to make sense of this film sometimes I'm just like I don't even know what's going on like I feel like I was on board and trying to understand with everything in the first act and the second act but as 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 it gets further into the third act I was like all right I have no going on and it it's still watchable it's just yeah, for sure. it's hard to keep up with yeah and the opening sequence of this movie is one of my favorites of the year uh, as far as opening sequences go it's really really great um, the the scene in the theater um, really cool stuff um, are there any movies from the year that you want to hit on here before we close I think we've hit a lot of the big ones that have dominated this year mm -hmm. um, but there's not I mean there was a Disney live action remake Mulan that came out that I know a lot of people didn't like but I kind of like um, I know you know there's there was a lot of concert movies that came out this year that I really enjoyed uh, there's a, a lot of there's just a lot of cool stuff that came out this year for you to watch across all streaming services. If you're looking for something, uh, we've probably talked about upwards of 30 movies here today. So there's all those we've talked about today that you can go check out and more that we didn't. Um, so any, anything else you want to say about 2020 as far as movies go? Um, yeah, 2020 has been an interesting year as a whole. I mean, I could go into nauseating degrees about like some of the other films that are like on the deeper end of like the lower 10 but I mean that's like another 20 minute conversation in itself but um yeah. it's been some it's been some interesting surprises um it's been a much more for lack of a better word a, lo a more low-key year which is actually kind of like a nice change of pace like I know some sure. people are upset about the fact that we didn't get any Marvel Cinematic Universe movies this year but I'm like you know I'm kind of glad that we didn't because it gives other smaller films a chance. Like, And I, it's coming I, fast because I think we start the year with uh, WandaVision on Disney Plus. And next year, I think Marvel Studios has nine projects. Yeah. Uh, so right. it's about to get dominated by, by Marvel and Star Wars and all that again, um, yeah. which a lot of it I'm looking forward to. But also it was cool to be able to focus on movies that typically wouldn't get that attention um with a ton of big marvel blockbusters coming out yeah no i agree and i think that you know it just gave us like i feel like for me personally kind of gave my brain a chance to kind of like cool down a, a bit try to get into more character drama films so yeah i mean i would just say you know this was a good chance to kind of transition and kind of catch a catch a breath because we just had like endgame last year and i'm like mm -hmm. Let's let's just take a short break, like a small break. So even just considering that one of the few, you know, superhero movies we got this year was Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman. I'm like, okay, all right. I really like. I didn't mention uh, Birds of Prey, but I really like that movie. Yeah, yeah. Birds of Prey is like it has its own personality, and I think mm -hmm. that you know, I think it'll definitely have its own fan base. Like, just like how BVS has its own fan base and Justice League has its own fan base, Birds of Prey is definitely will. will and don't let it get, you know, just don't let it get lost in the mix of things. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you so much, Travis, for your time. It was cool to break down this year with you. I know we didn't mention uh, Best Picture frontrunner Sonic the Hedgehog, but hopefully we covered uh, <laughs> 
about everything else we could about this year and the, the movies that impacted us and the movies that have stayed with us from this year and that will continue to stay with us. Uh, thank you all for listening so much. Uh, hopefully Cinema Ticket will be back around regularly-ish um, in the spring months, in the winter spring months, and, and we'll see where that takes us from there. Uh, so once again, Travis, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter or Instagram or what do you got going on? Okay. So, well, I'm trying to get into screenwriting, so hopefully I'll see, hopefully I'll be on somebody's top 10 list in the near future. <laughs> um, so you can find me on my website at uh, www.travishouse, which is T-R-A-V-I-S-H-O-U-Z-E.com. Um, all Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles are the same way it's spelled, just Travis House, nothing more, nothing less. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And I will be excited to see what 2021 has up next. And we will see if it'll look just like this next year or if it'll be completely different. Yeah, same. Well, I look forward to talking to you about those movies regardless of what it looks like. And really appreciate you coming on and giving me your time to, to break down this year, man. Um, thanks for joining thanks again all right once again you can uh follow this podcast listen to it uh subscribe subscribe to it give us the ratings all that sort of stuff uh follow the podcast on twitter at cinema ticket pod you can follow me on twitter at the zach leslie and uh yeah we'll see you next time on cinema ticket and be on the lookout for schedule updates and that sort of thing and i'll talk to you soon Thank you.